0: I can't think of a better thing to do today than uh, to be here with you guys because today is my birthday, and, uh, well, I stopped making a big deal of that years ago. Um, it's uh, it's interesting to, uh, to come into um, your last 50, um, knowing that you're going to go into the next uh, decade uh, later, and... Uh, to look back and see all this happen real fast. It feels like things happen real fast. And um, a friend of mine uh, introduced me to the concept of summers. And he counts how many summers he most likely have left. And that's kind of how he counts his life. And so, you know, at my age, I'm looking at you know, 10, 20, 30, maybe as an optimist. So today to know that I'm in the last of my run and I'm here with a bunch of guys, uh, that's nice. So thank you, I see a lot of my friends, people that I've known, friends over the years. Glad you're here. I know David is probably very anxious today, making sure that we uh, take care of his baby uh, this morning. So thank you very much. Now for the rest of um, April, on Friday mornings over at uh, the restaurant, Stu Kinneberl is going to be talking about integrity in terms of its practicality um, in uh, in the life of a man. And if you don't know uh, uh, Stu, Stu's military man, a retired military man, businessman, adventurer, um, music aficionado, and I'm sure he's going to probably do some of Everything that he does. So be sure to uh, hang out with us next Friday morning, over there, and uh, get a chance to uh, explore this in a great detail. Busload of politicians were headed off to a convention. They had had lunch together, and they decided to uh, head on up to the camp. Um, the driver of the bus, new guy, was not very familiar with the road that actually led to the camp. Uh, and uh, was uh, speeding along having a good time and went around a bend and as you would expect the steering axle on the bus broke and it uh, took a turn to the right went over the uh, embankment down into a ravine and hit a tree uh, at a very rapid rate of speed. Farmer coming along a little time later saw that the rail had, was broken and decided to investigate and discovered that, in fact, down in the, the ravine was the bus uh, with the politicians. He went back to his farm, and got a shovel, came back, and started trying to dig holes to bury the bodies. Yeah, of course, the politicians didn't show up, and after time, the uh, police will call. They began to backtrack the route following the country road to find, if they could, the politicians, only to discover that, in fact, the wreck had occurred and that the bodies had, in fact, been buried. The farmer uh, was asked by the policeman. it was hard to believe that they all died. How could they all have died? The farmer informed the trooper that he had buried all of them The trooper said, were they in fact all dead? The old farmer replied, well, some of them kept saying they weren't, but you know how politicians lie. (laughs) Politicians seem to be known as characteristically liars. No profession perhaps is more intertwined with the notion of less truth given as politicians. In converse, I would think that no uh, organization or person or profession or group should be more uh, synonymous with integrity than with uh, believers. As believers, we ought to be marked by the fact that you can count on a Christian to always tell the truth and to have the highest standards of integrity. I would want to foster this morning with you, if you could, that primarily the focus of integrity is God. Man is a beneficiary of your integrity, but he is not your primary audience. In fact, when it comes to personal integrity, the only real audience of appreciation is God himself. Man can benefit from your integrity, but he is not your primary focus. Now why you say now why do you say that? Well, let me give you an example. 1 Samuel chapter 16, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king from among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears it? He will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you should do. You shall anoint for me. From him I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Yes, peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves, come with me to sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons, and invited them to the sacrifice. And those five verses—did you hear something that seems a bit disgrunt? He said, uh, "Listen, if I go up, up there to anoint a new king, Saul is going to kill me." God said, "Well, tell him you came to sacrifice." Samuel seems to obscure his primary reason with a secondary reason. Were God's instruction to Samuel to tell less than the truth? Was Samuel's integrity compromised? Is a bait and switch morally okay? Do the ends justify the means? is not telling the truth the same as telling a lie. And why would God tell him to give a reason for coming that was not the primary reason for coming and not state the real reason for his coming? Particularly given that the people asked him, do you come in peace? After all, Samuel was a prophet. He could have called down fire from heaven. He could have opened up the ground and swallowed them. He could have done a whole host of options for dealing with this problem. And yet God told Samuel, "said well, yeah, Saul may kill you. God saying that. Uh, just tell him you came to sacrifice. And uh, then I'll have you to anoint. Doesn't that seem a little strange to you? I mean, really, God told him to do this? Integrity is really an issue that really revolves around your commitment to God and your relationship to him. People won't always understand integrity. That's yours. Samuel fears that Saul will kill him. and God tells him, well, just don't tell him all the truth. Now, the absolutist would say, always tell all the truth and be prepared to suffer the consequences. A minimalist would say, well, just tell enough truth for the situation. No use of getting carried away here. (laughs) Which one's right? Which one is a true mark of integrity? Was Saul's integrity compromised? Well, of course not. If God told him to do it, then there is no confusion as to whether it was right or wrong. That was a different situation, and it required three characteristics, which I'm going to explain to you in terms of how you know. Genesis chapter 20, verse 1 through 7, Abraham comes to Abimelech, and he says to Abimelech, this beautiful, gorgeous woman here is my sister. And Abimelech says, she sure is gorgeous. I think I'm going to have her for my wife. And he took her. The first night she was in his harem, God showed up. I find it fascinating. God says to Abimelech, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to kill everybody around here. you messing with a woman that you ain't got no business. <laughs> I want you to notice Abimelech's response. Lord, will you kill innocent people? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And in fact, she said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Abraham said, she's my sister. She said, he's my husband. And God shows up and wants to kill Abimelech. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have thought he would have showed up. God showed up and said, Abraham, why'd you lie? You know that. Well, she is your half sister, but she's also your wife. A little detail that you forgot almost got a man in a whole country killed. <laughs> Yet God never questioned Abraham once. So, how do you understand integrity in light of this? What's integrity supposed to be? Interesting word in the Hebrew for integrity is the word tome, T O M, long o tome. And it fundamentally has the idea of completeness. Integrity is about completeness, being complete, having the whole or having the condition of moral perfection. Integrity is first and foremost, in my mind, as a believer, it is focused on God because he is the only one who truly knows what's going on with you. People won't always know, and you may not always have the opportunity to explain. They are the beneficiary of your integrity. Certainly in your relationship with them, they should come away believing that they got the best deal. But ultimately, you're going to have to trust God that your integrity is intact with him and that man will ultimately understand. I will ponder, he says in Psalms 101, David says, I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity. In my house, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. His son, Solomon, recorded about 25 to 30 years later, better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. It seems that From all the passages where you can deal with the word integrity in the text, that there are three characteristics or three places where integrity is going to be most critical. One of them is in your home. With your family. The other area of integrity, which eyes. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. That has no value, he says. First and foremost, in my home, Second my eyes, and thirdly, in my lifestyle, he says. But better is a poor person who walks in integrity. That has to do with lifestyle. Paraparteo is the Greek word for walk. A podiatrist is a person who does what? Plays around with feet, yeah, feet, feet doctor. This word has to do with your lifestyle, You walk around. He says, better is a person poor, whose walk-around is characterized by integrity. It is increasingly clear to me that the majority of the world that we live in will not describe your conduct as a follower of Christ, as integrity. More and more. To say that you are a committed Christian following the word of God and what you do is no longer perceived as integrity. The world will not so accord you that. Which is why I say your integrity is first and foremost primarily focused on God. Man may or may not accept what you say or do as a mark of integrity. Your first concern is whether or not you have integrity with God. And that, I think, will manifest it first and foremost in your own home. I think your wife ought to be your greatest cheerleader. She ought to be saying your children should be your first witnesses, called to testify, is your daddy a man of integrity? There were two brothers who were notoriously rich and great benefactors of the community. They gave liberally. Their wealth, however, was always used to achieve their own ends. The church was also a victim of their kindness. They regularly gave, but only if there were going to be loud announcements of their giving. The old preacher who had been there a long time finally retired, and the new young preacher came. He didn't appreciate the context of his new job. It was not long after he got there that one of the brothers died. It would have been improper and immoral not to have a great church service for this great servant. In need of a new building, his brother came and promised the preacher that if you preach my brother's funeral and do a good job, I'll pay for that new building y'all want. Matter of fact, I'll make this real simple for you. All you got to do is call him a saint. Preacher said, okay, I'll do it, but you got to give me the check now. He deposited the check immediately in the bank. The next day the funeral time came, he stood up and began to say, began to explain how this brother, who was now being buried, was a rotten, low down, no good scoundrel. Spent his life abusing, taking what was not his. He was ruthless in business and a hypocrite in the church. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> To have a life filled with integrity, (laughs) I think you're going to have to have three things there, brothers. Number one, you're going to have to have wisdom. Obviously, that was a smart preacher. Integrity is marked by a sense of wisdom. It's a wisdom that comes from God. Knowing how to deal in circumstances and situations, knowing how much truth needs to be told, knowing what to say and what not to say is a mark of wisdom. When Samuel told God, listen, I can't go down there and say I've come to anoint a new king. He will want to kill me, given all the divine apparatus at his disposal, including God himself. God said, well, listen, just tell him you've come to sacrifice. That means that there was wisdom in God's counsel. Be a man of integrity will demand wisdom on your part, which is why the word of God becomes so important to you. This is why you study the Word of God. This is why you go to church every Sunday. This is why you have devotional. This is why you spend time in the book. It's to gain wisdom for life. Mm-hmm. To learn how to correctly apply what God has said here in the daily walk. Your parapateo, your walk around, your daily lifestyle requires the Word. It is not the acquisition of knowledge for knowledge's sake. It is the acquisition of knowledge for God's sake. Wisdom is first. Secondly, you got it, it. It requires honesty. Most people would not look at the account of Samuel and mark it as honest. Well, he was honest. He said to God, "Listen, Saul will kill me or want to kill me if I go up there and anoint a new king." Obviously, that was not shared by the people. The first question they had for Samuel is, do you come in peace? Because if he had said no, I suppose they would have started running. (laughs) They didn't seem to have a problem understanding that the man of God was not to be trifled with. But it required on his part honesty, honesty to tell the truth as the circumstance may warrant You don't necessarily have to tell all of it, but you do have to be honest. The third characteristic is trustworthiness. To be a man of integrity will require trustworthiness, which is earned by demonstrating integrity. Vicious circle going round and round. Integrity does mean telling the truth. unless it hurts too much, so say the world. Integrity means keeping a promise when you would rather not. Integrity means that you confront problems when it would be easier to walk away. It means forgiving when you would rather Hold a grudge. In the 1960s, as the industry of cartoon making developed new techniques and new capabilities, any and every life situation would be instantly turned into a cartoon. For us old-timers, we grew up with the classics of cartoons. Bugs Bunny was my favorite. During the Bugs Bunny show, they would often introduce new cartoons. I'll never forget, as a small child, one day, I saw a cartoon that involved an elephant named Horton, who, while Flocking along singing Hudson Rye and the rilla so and so and so on. To which he says, I always forget the words of that song. I don't know them to this day. In that context, he was asked by a bird named Maisie to sit on her egg. In the cartoon, she went all the way around the world having a blast while he sat on an egg. Through wind, and rain, and snow, he sat. He just kept sitting there on the nest, perched in a tree, propped up. All of his friends would come by and laugh at him and thought it was the most ridiculous thing they've ever seen, wondering what in the world are you doing sitting on an egg Horton? If you saw that cartoon, you know what he said. Repeatedly throughout the cartoon, which lasted about three minutes. I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. An elephant is faithful 100%. I did not know at that time that there was a man by the name of Dr. Seuss, and that that was Horton hatches an egg. To me, it was just a great cartoon that made absolutely no sense. Great entertainment. (laughs) Of course, there was a twist in the cartoon. To this day, I've never read the book. But in the cartoon, the egg did hatch. In fact, it hatched the day Maisie came back. She was upset, hot, and bothered that he was still on her egg and she demanded that he move and give her her egg. At that time, it broke open and popped out, you won't guess, a little elephant with ears as wings. And Horton went skipping away with this new baby elephant, flapping its ears as wings. Isn't that the most ridiculous thing you've ever done? Really? Uh The point is obvious, however. The world probably will not understand what you call integrity. It will look very stupid to them. Classic example. I, with great amazement yesterday, was fascinated reading all of the tweets about Mike Pence's commitment to never go to dinner with a woman that is not his wife alone, and two, to never go to a party or anything where there's gonna be drinking and wine without his wife being with him. You may not have a Twitter account if you know someone who does, it was trending yesterday. You should go and read some of the tweets. They they castigated him. I have never seen such nastiness towards a man as the people were yesterday when he said that. They have raked him over the coals. They raked his wife over the coals. Some of the nastiest, bitterest, most unpleasant, ungodly comments and ideas I've ever seen in my life. I could not believe it. Then I realized that they had no clue not only what he was doing, but why. As a politician, he sought to be above reproach. As a Christian, he wanted to be above reproach. And so he set as an objective in his life not to ever give anyone an occasion to stumble if he could. Politician being seen out with a single woman or a woman that's not his wife having dinner is a great opportunity for scandal. That's why nobody ever stopped to ask. Did you ever have a problem with drinking to the point that you decided that you know what, I can't have one drink and even if I'm around it, I always wanna have somebody with me who will guard me to make sure that I don't stumble. They never stopped to ask why he does what he does. They only took the time to criticize and demoralize him for what he said. Your integrity will not be appreciated by the world. But the only person who really cares or has any discussion about it, will. Because you really are only concerned about what does God think? See, the world was saying stupid, fool, ignorant, coward, misogynist. You should see some of the words they use. His daddy was saying, Well done, boy. It's a beautiful thing when you see it in display. I grew up in Arkansas. Most of you don't know. We were poor people. Of course, we didn't know it. And I would have been happy to this day if nobody said anything. I didn't become compressed until they made me believe you were poor. And I remember, at about eight years old, Christmas for us... Now, I tell you this story not... I only tell it to you because I want you to make an example, because I was a happy child. I mean, really. We were, we were happy people. We owned our own land. We had our own, We raised our own food, cattle, everything. So it, it's not that. But Christmas for us meant um, usually... Um, a bag of, with some candy, hard rock candy, some nuts, Brazil nuts, walnuts, hicka nuts, uh, an apple, an orange, some fruit in a plastic bag with the red bow on it would be under the Christmas tree. And the Christmas tree was always a pine top, just a tree cut out the top of it, pine top. That was every Christmas until I was eight, nine, ten years old. And every Christmas, that's what we got. We didn't get clothing. We didn't get shoes. We didn't get none of that stuff. Christmas meant receiving a bag of goodies, and that was our Christmas present. Nothing wrong with that at all, actually, because we were happy kids. I'll never forget eight years old. It was in December. It was a couple of weeks before Christmas. I'll never forget as long as I live, (laughs) because I was walking down... Downtown, my little uh, city downtown, was about eight stores. And, in, and that was a West Department store. And I, I was walking down the street, and as I've always done for some reason, always looking down, there was a wallet. And I saw it and immediately picked it up. Looked around. Nobody. There was no I saw no one who saw me pick it up, pick it up, put it in my pocket. Never looked in it. Went on down, did what I had to do. Went all the way home, got all the way home before I ever looked in that wallet. I'll never forget. it. I looked in that wallet and in that wallet was four. One hundred dollar bills. Four. Now, an eight-year-old black Arkansan boy had never seen a $100 bill, and there were four of them in that wallet. I'll never forget it as long as I live, because I like to faint it. Now, for a kid who had never had a Christmas present other than nuts, apples, orange, and candy, $400, that was incredible. I could have bought a present for everybody in my family, a nice one too, and I'd have had money left over. I was, at eight years old, I was not a Christian. I knew right from wrong. $400, $400, four $100 bills at Christmas, eight years old. Wow. There's only one problem. In that wallet, with a driver's license of the owner of that wallet. I went to my grandmother and I said, I found a wallet. It had four $100 bills in it. And here's the driver's license that's in the wallet of the man who lost it. My grandmother never missed a beat. In those days, we had a party line phone. There was a woman by the name of Miss Willoughby who stayed on it all the time. We kids would uh, pick it up and just listen to her gossip. She she actually wrote the little page in the newspaper about what was going on, and she always knew everything about everybody's family. Sister so-and-so had her son came home from Detroit and spent a wonderful weekend with her mama. How does she know that? Well, she's always on the party line. Whenever you want to use the phone, you had to say, Miss Willoughby, do you mind uh, getting off the phone so we can use the phone? operator. We called the man, found out his number. We called him and said, uh, we found your wallet. Um, would you like to pick up your wallet? Sure enough, he came, picked up his wallet. He was blown away. He was a white man. I think he was probably more shocked than anything. I'll never forget his face. Because as he came and as we gave, I gave him his wallet... I'll never forget it because I could tell by the way his face was that he he, he didn't know whether he wanted to open it right then. He knew he had $400, but he opened it and it worth four $100 bills. And I was, you know, your wallet your money. And I gave it back to him. And he took it, looked in it, said thanks, and just left. Which is what he should have done. It was his wallet, it was his money. About 35, 40 minutes later, he came back, which I was very surprised, and he gave me a $20 bill, brand new. I'll never get it. First time I'd ever had $20 in my life. Now what's really, what was really interesting was that the $20 was just as great to me as the eight-year-old kid with $20. Are you kidding? And it was all mine. I'll never forget the man, as he looked at me, small kid. My grandmother was standing there. I'll never forget it as long as I lived, because he looked me in the face and said, you know what? It's all the money we had and this is the money for the gifts for my children for Christmas. And I was really hating to have to tell them that daddy lost their money so they were not gonna have a great Christmas. Thank you for being honest. Integrity is probably gonna be one of those things that the world will probably not appreciate and you probably won't be given a lot of thank you. In fact, they'll look at you stupid, but the only person that really matters is your dad above. I said what I meant. I meant what I said. Christian is faithful, 100%. That's really all that ultimately matters. Father, we live in a day and a time when integrity is seemingly a lost art. Our world marches to lawlessness. And the only light the world may see is ours. May we be uncharacteristically wise. May we be authentically honest. And may trustworthiness be always our design and goal. That we may honor your name. Bless these men today as they wrestle with the challenge At home, what they look at, and their lifestyle. In Christ's name, amen. 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 Thank you, men.